This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This is May 9th, and this is the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. And welcome to another edition of the Bruins Beat on CLNS Media. I'm your host, Evan Marinovsky. Uh, we've been away for a few weeks. We've had some changes. Uh, I'm the temporary host for now. Um, I hope you like it. I hope you like it. Um, we've missed a lot. A lot's happened since we last were on. Um, Bruins have gone through two rounds. They're in the Eastern Conference Finals against an opponent that pretty much nobody <laughs> expected uh, to be here right now. It's the Carolina Hurricanes. And because of that, we're going to be previewing the series on this episode. And since I'm not a Hurricanes expert, I'm not a Hurricanes beat writer, I figured why not have someone on who knows the Hurricanes inside and out. And that's why I have Brett Finger on today from Canes Country of SB Nation. Brett, what is up? Uh, nothing much. You know, I think you're, I think you're doing really well for your first episode as host. I think you're doing great. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah. So, um, I gotta say, as I said earlier, I, I can't believe the Hurricanes are here right now. Uh, I don't think anybody expected this. Maybe you guys did down there. I know you guys have been, you know, dancing yeah. after games and stuff, having fun. Um, but just to, to sort of kick things off, I want to ask you, how the hell did this happen? <laughs> Oh man. I mean, does anyone really know? I don't, I don't, I, it's ever since really, uh, the New Year's Eve, it's really, it's been a tale of, of two seasons for, for Carolina. Uh, the, the first half, um, I think if you ask, uh, head coach Robert Moore, he'll tell you that they were probably playing better hockey in the first half of the season, but the bounces didn't go their way. Um, and, and ultimately they, they just couldn't put the puck in the net. Uh, consistently enough. Uh, but when the new year hit, uh, this star 2019, something changed and the pucks are going in the net. I, I think Carolina, I mean, they, they played well throughout the year, but I would say that their first half was stronger, uh, in terms of dictating play and, and playing the game they wanted to play. But the second half hit and it, the puck just started going in the net. I think it's, uh, as simple as that. Um, it's it's definitely difficult to to you know summarize and and make it sound smart you know so it's just yeah. it's been a, it's been a whirlwind. What's incredible to me is the Hurricanes were not even supposed to be a playoff team this year, at least from from up here, at least from kind of a national point of view. Mm-hmm. You lose Elias Lindholm, you lose Noah Hannafin. I mean, Lindholm went and had a great year out in Calgary. And Hannafin, I don't know his stats off the top of my head. Probably fine too. How did they make up for that? And you lose Jeff Skinner. And you lose Jeff Skinner. How do you make up for that offense? How did the Hurricanes do that? Uh, I think I think part of it comes from that Calgary trade. Uh, of course, Dougie Hamilton, his first half, again, it, it's kind of like the rest of the club. It He had a rough first half. Uh, he dealt with some injuries along the way. And around the new year, he really started to pick it up, and he led the uh, led all NHL defensemen in goals from that point on, and he finished with a career high in goals. So, I mean, he was a huge part of that. Uh, elsewhere, uh, Michael Furlan kind of had some injury, 
problems down the stretch, but he was big, uh, especially in the first half of the year when not many other players were scoring consistently. He was finding a way to do that. And the, the consistent has been Sebastian Ajo really from start to finish. Uh, he, he dealt with some injuries down the stretch and, and, you know, ran into being a little snake bit towards the end, but he had a phenomenal year and, you know, he's a player that they, they needed him to step up in a big way and he, he delivered on all that. And, you know, another huge part of it is you look at the January trade, uh, acquiring Nino Niederreiter. I mean, wow. They, they managed to really, frankly, dump Victor Rask's deal to Minnesota in exchange for a legitimate top six goal scorer. And I mean, he had, I believe, 30 points in 38 games down the stretch for Carolina. And, um, you know, in, in the first round of the playoffs, he wasn't, you know, putting the puck in the net, but the second round, you started to see his, his offense start to come out and he's definitely playing very well. Um, so yeah, it's kind of been by committee, a lot of it. And of course, Lucking out at the draft lottery, you get Andre Svechnikov second overall. So it's it's been a really it's just really just a team effort, as cliche as that sounds. Um, I, I just want to preface this by saying I should have said this earlier. A uh, little bit of a Hurricanes expert, I just won actually the uh, Stanley Cup with the Carolina oh, Hurricanes wow. in NHL 19 playoff mode. So wow. you know you might be a Hurricanes expert and all, but like <laughs> I actually coached the team to a Stanley Cup, so. <laughs> Don't need to tell me who's good on offense. I know if I, you don't need to. You're the expert here. I won't pretend to be the expert. That's you. I'm I'm interviewing you on how expert (laughs) you are. Um, how much, Brett, how much do you think this year, do you think this year was sort of lightning in a bottle for the Hurricanes or do they really have something here? Um, I, uh, that's tough. Really, all the stuff that's happened around the team, uh, of course, with the whole bunch of jerks thing, which has been what it's been. Uh, the storm surge stuff. It, at first, it was kind of, you know, a, a, a way to get people to pay attention. And I think it's funny how, you know, early in the year, the storm surges weren't talked about a lot because they, they just weren't winning. They weren't doing them. So it wasn't until the second half where they started winning where it became like a thing that Don Cherry talked about and all that. And, you know, just, just from the marketing of the team and getting eyes on the product that, deservedly wasn't getting a lot of attention before that. Um, I think that was kind of a lightning in a bottle type of thing. Uh, but with regards to the actual team, um, I, I think back to the last time the Hurricanes made the playoffs, which was 2009, uh, a very veteran team, uh, a lot of, you know, the leading scorers of that team very much into their thirties and a lot of, you know, those kind of players that, didn't necessarily have long NHL futures, but you look at this team and you see Sebastian Ajo and Tavo Teravainen and Svechnikov and Niederreiter and the the whole blue line, they're all in their early or mid-20s. So there's reason to believe that they can sustain this this go-around beyond this postseason, and I think that's the expectation is for them to get better. We'll get to the 2009 Hurricanes later in this podcast because there was a thing you wrote the other day that I really, really liked. Um, but before we get to that, um, you mentioned a bunch of jerks. And I think the entire uh, NHL season, I had one favorite thing, and that was the storm surge at the end of games. I, I'm a huge hockey fan in general, and I love seeing the game 
thrive in places that normally may not consistently thrive in Vegas, Southern California, now Carolina. And seeing that after games was awesome. Um, the bunch of jerks thing was even better. Um, the Carolina (laughs) marketing department deserves a raise and a half for capitalizing on this. There's shirts. There's a new shirt, a bunch of first time jerks or something. I, f- I forget the name of it. Don Cherry. Front running jerks. Front running jerks. And there was a thing <laughs> the other day that Don Cherry was talking about the puck that went in the netting for the Blue Jackets and then they scored. And he was talking about how that was a factor when the Hurricanes won the Stanley Cup, um, against Edmonton in 05. And he chirped the Hurricanes in that too. I mean, it was a subtle jab, and and, and McLean was like, "Oh, you know, you you're uh, you, you don't like to say Carolina or something," because he said Tampa. And he's like, "Oh, it's the same oh. thing." <laughs> um, but how much did that help? How much did the bunch of jerks and the storm surge sort of help things along in Carolina hockey wise? Um, I think on the ice, it 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 had an impact to an extent. It, it was kind of just this this thing that brought the fan base together, especially um, kind of of a, a, a rallying cry of sorts, because I mean, this is a team, this is a fan base that hasn't experienced a lot of success. And, you know, when, when that happens, the, the fan base falls apart to an extent. And, you know, when they're having that success and you have someone like Don Cherry chirping from on high, um, <laughs> you know, it's uh it's, it's one of those things where, you know, the Hurricanes weren't going to apologize for it. I mean, they were doing what they're doing and they didn't care what Don Cherry had to say. And it, it kind of was a thing that brought fans together and was like, all right, screw that guy. We're going to, we're going to keep doing what we're doing. And, um, you know, I, from that perspective, I think it was really special. Um, for the team on the ice, I mean, with the, with the storm surge stuff, it's, it's been a, I think it's been special in that it's really brought them together. Um, you know, this is a group that, you know, again, this is so cliche, but a group that really cares about each other and um, really like loves one another. And I think that's part of it, you know, just like it's kind of that us versus the world kind of thing that, that brings people together. And, um, you know, I think that's just added to what has made this season special so far. Yeah, I mean, to see, you know, I'm reading a lot uh, about in the whole year about the Hurricanes and, and uh Justin Bourne had a piece in the athletic yesterday and it was about um sort of culture and how it's so important and theirs is very you know fast they're fast team they're aggressive but they they love each other they like they love each other and you know i can say the same about the bruins but i feel like the bruins have kind of loved each other for a little while except for yeah. a couple of years in with the playoffs but um but but this this hurricane team seems really really in t- intact with each other you know, in some ways it feels like an island of misfit toys. Some with Dougie Hamilton and, and, you know, you have, um, Nino Niederreiter, but, but at the same time, they're just, they, they just seem really good. Again, I want to Stanley Cup with them, so I, you know, I know a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> um, I want to get to the goaltending situation because as Bruins people know, up until the playoffs, the Bruins had their own little goalie situation with Rask and Halak playing so well. Now Rask is playing actually the best hockey of his entire career. Mm-hmm. I could do a whole podcast on Rask. I'm not going to do it right now. But Rask has been unbelievable, um, and there's no chance Halak starts in this playoffs at all. But Halak was a big help to him. But down with you guys, you guys have your own little thing with Peter Mrazek and Curtis McElhaney, which normally are, is just a barrel of mediocrity. But in reality, they've yeah. actually both played incredible this year. Um, Mrazek went down in the last series. Mm-hmm. Uh, McElhaney stepped in. Mrazek's not ready for game one. Am I right about that? 
Um, TBD. I think I think there's a chance he does start. Okay. So if 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 Brett, you're not the coach of the Hurricanes, but if you were Brett Brendamore, um, <laughs> and you had to pick between the two to, when Mrazek does come back to start game one, who would you pick and why? Oh wow! Oh wow! I should be asking you because you you're the coach of of the Hurricanes. You're the one. I never faced injury. I know ne- I played uh, the injuries off. You my played with the ball, yeah. <laughs> um. It's tough. I mean, it's kind of been this way really since December, uh, since Peter Morazic has really started to, to play the way that he has. He's been playing at a very high level, um, since mid-December. And, you know, I, I think you gotta go back to Morazic. That, that would be my gut feeling because, you know, I think Curtis McElhinney has shown throughout his career that he is capable of stepping in in really any situation. I mean, you look at this last series and against New York, uh, you know, he hadn't played in 22 days. They, they weren't getting much of any practice time. He wasn't seeing a lot of, you know, on ice action at all. So he just kind of stepped in and, and played lights out in net for Carolina. And I think that was, you know, it's kind of been his career, you know, summarized. I mean, he, he's used to not playing for a long time and being relied on. And uh, that's, that's why he's still around this league. So, um, but when you look at Morazic, you see a guy that, you know, he's younger at 27. I think he's a guy that Carolina wants to keep around, um, as part of the goalie tandem beyond this year. And for good reason, because he's been stellar, really. And, and even in the first round, I saw, um, there were some people kind of talking about a safe percentage, but I mean, <laughs> it, in my opinion, it, it, it wasn't anywhere near his fault that it was a seven game series or that Carolina lost a couple of games. There was a, there's a six, nothing loss in game five. That was really just a disaster for, for the entire team that really sunk them. But yeah, I, I'd go back to Morazic. He's been, he's been excellent. And you know that if there comes a point where you have to use McElhaney, you can feel comfortable knowing that he can handle that. You mentioned Mrazek sort of being, uh, being there uh in Carolina for a longer time. Do you think he's sort of the long-term guy here? Because as you know better than anybody, you know, Carolina thought Scott Darling was going to be, and he's been just a dumpster fire. I mean, that guy, I, you know, I, oh, like seeing those statistics, the under eight, the under uh 900 save percentages, the goals against averages above like three, five. I mean, it's just, yeah. That is another, that's awful. That whole story yeah. is terrible. But do you think that Mrazic's sort of the guy that they want and will be successful long-term in Carolina? That's, I guess we'll see, right? Because Peter Mrazic, he, he's only 27. Uh, it feels like he's been around forever because he kind of has, he broke in at such a young age and he was such a highly touted prospect in Detroit. Um, it didn't end up working out there. We all know it didn't end up working out in Philly at the, uh, at the trade deadline last year. The, the way he's played, I think he, he's the guy that, uh, between him and McElhaney, he's the guy that they're going to want to, you know, explore a two or three year deal. But I think another part of it is what does Carolina want to do? Because we've seen, that this goalie tandem thing has really worked for them. And it's been a really great solution because they spent years trying to find the guy. And this year they had two guys that rose to be, you know, 
as as good of as good as a lot of got teams that have a you know a strong number one goalie. Um, so do I think Peter Morazic should stay around? Yes, I think they are going to keep him around, but I I wouldn't expect him to be named the quote unquote goalie of the future because I think there's there's a lot to be said for having a strong tandem and you know splitting the starts. 50, 30, remainder to whatever. Um, so I think he sticks around, but you have a guy in Alex Nedeljkovic who is down in Charlotte. He was the AHL's most outstanding goalie this year, second round pick. Uh, the pick right after Thatcher Demko in 2014. Huh. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's been, that's been a tough one to swallow, at least, at least up until this year, um, where Nedeljkovic has really stood out. He had a game, uh, he had one start in the NHL this year. It was his first start in his NHL career uh, up in Vancouver and he was excellent and he had a a great year in Charlotte. I think there's a real possibility that we're looking at Morazic and Nedeljkovic in, in the Canes crease next year. Um, So yeah, I I think there's a lot of options, but I I would think, and I would hope that Morazic is definitely a part of that situation moving forward. It's funny that now the Canes with Medeljkovic, whatever his name is, they're going to have more crazy names. I think the Hurricanes have a lot of crazy European uh, and, and, and Russian. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other thing is you mentioned draft, unfortunate, unfortunate draft placement. It's funny, the, the Bruins in 2015, they had the 13th, oh, yeah. 14th, 15th pick. DeBrus was the only pick that's hit, and it was right before Matt Barzal mm-hmm. and Cal Connor. And yeah. it was just like Bruins hit on all three, but uh, obviously <laughs> no, not a perfect world. Um, I mentioned this earlier. I want to move on to this. You had a piece that is comparing the 2009, Hur- 2009 Hurricanes and the 2019 Hurricanes. I really like this because it, it hits just with the Bruins because obviously the Hurricanes knocked the Bruins out in seven games uh, in 09 in the second round, not the not not this round. Um, yeah. But what was so weird about it was these are two completely different Hurricanes teams, and the stats are virtually the same. Goals for, for goals for per game is same rank. Goals against per game is same rank. Power play percentage is roughly the same. Penalty kill percentage pretty much the same. Uh, the only difference is age. And I went back and I, I kind of put my thinking mm-hmm. cap on. I thought about this, and what's so funny to me is this series is the opposite of the 09 series in that in 09, it was the veteran hurricanes team playing against this young Bruins team who was sort of fresh in the playoffs. Only had one year in the playoffs before weren't very experienced. And then obviously it showed the veterans prevailed the hurricanes won mm-hmm. seven. This series is completely different. You have the core that w- a lot of the core was there in 09 for the Bruins. You had Bergeron who was 23, David Krejci, 22, Chara, who was only 31 at the time, <laughs> now 42, which just blows my mind every game. Um, you had a 20 year old Lucic, you know, Rask was even playing, uh, Kessel, Phil Kessel back when he was on the Bruins. Yeah. One. Um, but the Bruins now are this older core of veterans who've been to two cups, won one, been to the playoffs a bunch. And then you have this Canes team who none of them were on there in 09, I don't think. And they're young, they're they're fresh, never really had uh, Actually, uh, <laughs> Rod Brindamore was on that team. That's right, Rod that. Brindamore. Now he's yep. coaching. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so there's one. I was thinking that. I was like, oh, my God, <laughs> 10 years ago, the guy's already coaching uh. the team. Um but it's funny because I feel like it's the the situations have flipped. Now you have mm-hmm. 
this this young this this young Hurricanes team against a veteran Bruins team, whereas ten years ago it was a young Bruins team against a veteran Hurricanes team. Is that how you see it? And do you think age will play a factor in the series at all? I I think I think you make a really really good point with with all of that. Um, how the I might write is, I might honest to God I might write something <laughs> on that. So do, do not take that I idea. Think, I think that's great. <laughs> uh, I think that's a really good point. Um, you know the the role reversal here. Um, I think age. I think you know age and experience usually has a, has a role in all of it. Um, usually you look at you look at Justin Williams, of course, who you know. He's done everything in this league. And, you know, you, you have experience in, in Rob Brindamore in that he's played in those games and, and all that. But, you know, there, you have Jordan Stahl and, you know, you, you have, you have some experience, but it's largely, I mean, I think the stat was, I think it was a 10 or 11, um, players from this year's roster were playing in their first ever playoff series. So, um, it's, it's pretty jarring. So, yeah, I, I think experience plays a role. I thought it was going to play a role in in round one as well. I mean, against the Capitals team that was just coming off a of Stanley Cup, but you know they they came through there. But you know, especially in those you know high leverage situations, you you feel a lot better having you know you you, you listed out Marchand and Bergeron and uh, Krejci and, and all those veterans that have been around for as long as they have been. Um, I think that's definitely an advantage. Uh, I think for the Hurricanes, they've been kind of focused on ignoring all that and just doing what has got them there. So, so far it's been, it's been, you know, it's, it's got, it's worked. So we'll see if that can continue. It's, it's definitely a factor though. Uh, before I let you go, I want to, what is your series prediction? Oh man. Um, I haven't even thought of mine yet. So that's why I'm asking you first because I'm gonna think. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, I we uh we recorded the Canes Country podcast uh last night, and I I said Canes in six. Uh, that's you know it's easy for me to say that on a uh, Hurricanes podcast, but <laughs> I'm not saying this on a Hurricanes podcast. So I have to you stick say, to what I, I said. Care. I have to stick to what I said. Uh, I'll say Hurricanes in six. Uh. It's not the most confident prediction I've ever made, but I'll I'll just roll with it. Um, Boston, I mean, it's it's really hard to pick against Boston. I mean, when you look at that team and how much they've accomplished as a group, how well Tuukka Rask has, has been playing. I mean, he's been remarkable in this in this postseason. Um, so I think it's going to be a really really fun series to watch. Um, I'll just go Canes in six. Because well, it's funny. It's funny. You mentioned like coming on a Bruins podcast. First of all, all right, Brett, I'm an unbiased Bruins reporter. Oh, of course. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but, but, uh, secondly, I, everyone hate, we hate on the Bruins more than anybody. Most Bruins people, like most Bruins media people hate on the Bruins. I think more than they do, you know, praise them. We praise the Bruins when like, an outsider rips on the, like a, a Canadian person, like a Toronto yeah. person yeah. rips on the Bruins, but, I mean, like, it, it doesn't matter. Who cares? And, um, <laughs> but it, it's funny. It's re- you mentioned it's being hard to pick against the Bruins. In my opinion, it's really easy to pick against the Hurricanes, <laughs> which is the problem because the Hurricanes are yeah. so good. I, it's funny. Out of the two wildcard teams, I said Blue Jackets would be the one to really make an upset. And they did. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so did the Hurricanes. <laughs> and I just, up here in Boston, the one team 
the Bruins have always had a real problem with the Capitals. Like for it's been forever. They can they mm. won their first game I think in Washington on Super Bowl Sunday this year for the first time in like oh, like years. Um, so they don't do that well. Um, but so kudos to to the Hurricanes for beating the Caps. That was unbelievable. Um, my series prediction would be Bruins in seven, but I don't want it going seven if the schedule goes out as I think it is. I, I'm scheduled to get my wisdom teeth out on the, the oh, day no. of game seven. Oh, no. So I would like to go to the game and cover it. I don't want to go there looking like a chipmunk with ice packs on my cheeks. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go Bruins in six actually, because there are technical things I think. And then there's also the bigger one, which I just don't want there to be game seven. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's sort of my pick. You have Canes in six. I have Bruins in six. Either way, I think it's going to be a fun series. Um, mm-hmm. Not the, you know, not, you know, Big rivals, but the, didn't the Canes and the Bruins have like a pretty, uh, ba- a pretty feisty game this year? Or am I forgetting? Yeah, yeah, they they did. I think the game up in Boston uh, yeah. was pretty was pretty scrappy. Um, I mean, even going back to uh, you know, years and years ago when Nathan Horton was a Bruin, uh, I remember there was some pretty physical back and forth there between him and then Hurricanes defenseman now, uh development coach uh Tim Gleason. So Oh that, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And then there was the Scott Walker incident, no nine. Oh yeah. Yeah. With yeah. Aaron Ward. Um Aaron Ward, but yeah. oh my goodness. What a guy. All right. Well <laughs> thank you so much, Brett, for joining. Um I wish I, I hope you, you know, have a great series. I'll see you on Twitter. Uh will you be coming up to Boston for any of the games? I will not be, but I will be in Raleigh covering them. So it'll be yeah. So stay with that. me. I, we're in college. We are. We're, we don't yeah. have the money to send ourselves to yeah, exactly. away games. Um, <laughs> but thank you, anyways, Brett. Um, we'll talk soon. And to all the Bruins beat listeners, uh, you can get look forward to hearing me next week. Until then, enjoy the Bruins games and have a good one. Yeah.